it's Stephen Henderson. On today's podcast, we're going to talk about climate change and in particular how it's affecting one Detroit neighborhood. Jefferson Chalmers sits along the water's edge on the East Riverfront and is dealing with an incredible amount of flooding, partially because of the incredible storms that have become the norm here. We're going to talk with residents and activists in that area about how they're trying to preserve their community, how they're trying to preserve the ability to live in that neighborhood, especially for people who have been there a long time and for folks who can't afford to keep the water out of their homes. We've got some great guests with us to help us have that conversation. Jay Jurgensen is a lead organizer of the Jefferson Chalmers Water Project and has lived in the neighborhood since 1989. Jay, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Very excited to be here. Also with us is Reverend Michelle Baylor. She is a pastor, along with her husband, at Emmanuel Grace AME Church on Connor in Jefferson Chalmers. Reverend Baylor, welcome to Detroit Today. Very happy to be here. And also with us is Blake Granham. She is a born and raised resident of Jefferson Chalmers. Blake, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, thanks for having me. So, like, I want to start with you uh, because you are someone who has uh, lived there a very long time and you're from that neighborhood. Uh, tell us what it was like growing up in Jefferson Chalmers and tell me what you think about the, the neighborhood now, how it has changed from when you were a kid growing up there. Um, so Jefferson Chalmers is the best kept secret of Detroit. Um, it's such a cool place to live and to have grown up in. It's a very quiet neighborhood. Um, I remember growing up, there was a lot of area that's like not developed. So you get a lot of nature. So you get the quietness, you get to see a ton of different types of animals. And to have that in the city is a gem. Mm -hmm. And to grow up around that, that's there's like a sense of peace um, and a sense of calm. So it's you think something like that is just completely normal and natural and then when you leave and go to college or something like that you're like oh my god the whole world isn't like this right so um it's a vibe it's amazing it's there's nothing like it on earth to me yeah. um the diversity of our community not just um culturally but even economically mm -hmm. and you can't really get that anywhere and when you have that type of diversity it just builds your character and um, dope people come out of Jefferson Chalmers. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great phrase, right? Mm -hmm. Dope people come out of Jefferson Chalmers. So, mm -hmm. so talk about the differences, though, in what the neighborhood's like now and what you remember from when you were growing up there. Well, um, it's still quiet. However, more people have discovered our neighborhood. Mm -hmm. um, it was a secret for a very long time, so the secret's out. And so when people have fallen upon our neighborhood they're like wow this is a really cool place to be you know i want to live here i want to be a, a, a part um but sometimes you get uh people that have moved to the community that don't necessarily want to be a part they want to they're like hey i'm here i want to do something uh, i want to shake things up this is what we should do here and it's like oh hi welcome to our neighborhood <laughs> we're happy to have you 
let me tell you of some things that we've got going on. Um, you know, people aren't so quick to get to know each other, which causes a little bit of tension and stress. Like newer people that move to the neighborhood, I think when they don't understand the flow and the vibe um, and they start just doing their own thing, it puts a stress on the people that are been there mm-hmm. or that are from there. And, um, you know, we just have to figure out ways to work together a little bit. Uh, better but when I've noticed that when we have an issue everybody comes together regardless of of if they know each other or not when there's like an issue and we all have the same problem we when they were trying to do the stop log like our neighborhood was like we're not playing we don't want that (laughs) right we all came together which was a beautiful thing to see yeah Uh, I use that word gentrification in the mm-hmm. in the open and mm-hmm. and talked about the fear i think that that i have and that uh, other people in the city have that that that's one of the dynamics that's going to be introduced not just in jefferson chalmers but in lots of places mm-hmm. uh, around the tri- i i wonder what that word means to you when i say it and you think about your neighborhood and and whether you think it applies to what's happening in jefferson chalmers um, I definitely think it applies. Um, this train gentrification has already left the station. Mm-hmm. It's there's no stopping it. Mm-hmm. It's already happening, and it's trying to adapt and adjust to change. Um, of course, I'd love to keep my neighborhood exactly the way it is, but that's not it's not possible. It's not going to happen. So it's just trying to work with people that are moving into the community, and I just take it upon myself to really just try to speak to people because. People, they move into the community. You don't get a lot of high, you know, for the newer people, you don't get a little high. I always make it a point to speak. Um, And when you come into the neighborhood, I think that's a a big thing. You're coming into a neighborhood where people are going to be different than you. They're going to look different than you. Mm -hmm. Don't be scared. Talk to somebody. If you're not sure of something or if something is uncomfortable and you're not you don't you don't like what's going on why don't you ask your neighbor hey what's going on in this section there's a lot of noise coming over here what what can i do can i approach this house can i talk to them the answer will be yes just knock on the door (laughs) um but you just have to talk to people don't move over here if you're not willing to get to know us Yeah, yeah 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 uh reverend baylor i want to bring you into the conversation you work in jefferson chalmers uh, tell us about your church and what your experience has been kind of building trust in the neighborhood and getting to know folks. Oh, wow. We, um, we just got our, uh, started our sixth year at the church. And I remember um, the first year coming, um, they were digging up the streets and everything was, I mean, all the underground things were happening. Hmm. And I was like, oh, right. And I'm going to be totally honest. I was like, oh, they're getting ready to turn the neighborhood over. Hmm. Right? Turn the neighborhood over. Yeah. Turn the neighborhood over, meaning that the people that are here, they're they're preparing for wealthier people. Hmm. Right? Because they're... Because there was work going on. Because there was work going on. Right? Um, And then they put in speed bumps. Right? Um, Out of all the years... People could drive as fast as they want down the street. <laughs> now we to want the them to park. slow down. Now we want them to slow down. Um, and I just remember the people um, being 
it, it was a community and we were strangers right mm-hmm. the ame church uh, we are itinerant so that we serve at the pleasure of the bishop mm-hmm. and so they had experience with our church several changes in leadership right and they don't like that mm. they mm. they really like to know who's in the neighborhood can we trust them what are they all about what are they adding is it going to be good or do we have to defend our neighborhood wow right yeah and so we just loved them right and i and i spoke to to sam the other day and i was like we've been there for five years in the first couple of years we were there there were some locks that tried to get removed for for the 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 unit outside until now they take our trash cans in for Mm, us mm. right that we've been in the neighborhood we love the neighborhood and we um, and you're part of the and we're community. part of the community yeah. and we want to be part of the community, but not in a pushy way, mm-hmm. because you have to understand the culture that's in the neighborhood and not try to change it, but enhance it with love and family. Yeah. Yeah. So so talk to me about the the flooding uh, oh. that that's been going on it's not new uh, i can remember from when i was a kid here in the city in the 70s and 80s that there i mean it's a part of the city that's really close to the water uh, there was always this threat that um, that that flooding would 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 maybe damage or destroy the neighborhood now it's a constant though i mean it's really different than it, it used to be in, in 2020, when we first got to the church in 2018, there was nothing in the fellowship hall. And I was like, how do y'all guys fellowship? There's nothing now. And it was like, every time we put something down here, it floods. And I was like, oh, you got to have faith. Let's just redo this. Let's, let's get some things started. We have to fellowship. We have to get to know each other. And in 2021, our fellowship hall which is about eight feet tall was full of water Mm. and sewage Mm. and everything was gone everything and we had to rebuild i can't say that it wasn't traumatizing because it was Mm -hmm. but the neighborhood is worth it is is worth the rebuild it's worth getting things back in order Mm -hmm. our church had insurance um um fema did come out but they encouraged us to take small business loans and how are you going to repay a small business loan when churches are on tithes and offerings Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and when there's no tithes and offerings to have there's still love to give yeah yeah right you so, so as a church, I think there's a really interesting dynamic uh, with with uh, what's happening because of the flooding, the cost of dealing with it, and mm-hmm. I guess the choices that yeah. that you face and and the the folks who go who go to the church. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, can you talk about how that feels that um, you're having to 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 fight to stay? in the neighborhood <clears throat> while you see other people who are better able to, because they have greater means to figure out how to keep the water out of their properties. We helped um, one of the, one of our um, members, her furnace went out, 
FEMA wasn't, they weren't helping. Um, and we helped her because she has an older mom. They want to fight to stay here. They love Jefferson Chalmers, mm-hmm. right? The thought of leaving never crosses their mind. Yeah. No matter what happened, the thought of leaving never crosses their minds. And so when you have someone so committed, it's kind of infectious, right? It's kind of infectious because we're new and and you want to know where does this deep love come from (laughs) for this community and how can we enhance it and be a part of it? It was very difficult to come back and um, I remember we we are small, so we do a grocery giveaway every fifth Sunday. And when we flooded, it was around the time that we were doing our Jefferson, uh, our grocery giveaway. And I said to my husband, "Let's just do um, gift cards, right?" I thought it was a great idea. Let's just do gift cards. And so when when the people came to the church to get groceries, and I had gift cards, it was like. Where the where's the food? Like, <laughs> I mean, where's the food? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, the base. I, you know, I had so many excuses, and then I didn't realize a lot of the limitations. Like, the church was easy to get to, and there's no really good grocery stores in the neighborhood, yeah. and and you can't walk and carry groceries because you have transportation <laughs> issues. So it just opened our eyes to, um. Maybe we need to ask them what they want instead yeah. of giving them what they think we they need. Yeah. You know, we give them what we think they need, but we're not touching the pulse of the community on what do you actually really need? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we need to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation <coughs> with Reverend Michelle Baylor with uh, Blake Granham, and we're going to get to Jay Jurgensen, who's lead organizer of the Jefferson Chalmers Water Project. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm your host, Stephen Henderson. I'm really glad that you decided to join. We're talking today about what happens in a community when climate change makes it more difficult for people to live there in peace. Jefferson Chalmers and the waterfront communities along the East Riverfront here in Detroit are dealing with that right now. The very frequent violent storms, the unbelievable deluges that uh, fall on us each summer now really have a disproportionate effect on these communities, partially because they are so close to the water and because they are very low, but also because the infrastructure that we designed for Southeast Michigan uh, and the age of that infrastructure means that water that falls many, many, many miles away ends up in the storm sewers in Jefferson Chalmers. That means that residents there have some real choices to make about the future. How do you stay in a neighborhood that you claim as your own when it changes so dramatically? How do we decide as a community how we help people stay in places that may be more vulnerable than they used to be. And what do we do about the imbalance that exists between folks who have the means to make sure that their properties can stay dry and those who don't? 
how do we make sure that climate change is not a vehicle for gentrification? We've got three great, great guests with us right now talking about this issue. Blake Granham was born and raised in Jefferson Chalmers. Uh, Reverend Michelle Baylor is a pastor along with her husband at Emmanuel Grace AME Church on Connor in Jefferson Chalmers. And Jay Jurgensen is the lead organizer of the Jefferson Chalmers Water Project. Jay, I want to come to you now and have you tell us a little more about the Water Project and how it relates to these questions I'm asking about community change and how we preserve the ability for people to stay in communities uh, where they've been for a long time, even as climate change uh, challenges all of us uh, to live a little differently. Um, Stephen, thank you. I, I think that it's interesting that you're leading with an issue around equity, which is, I think, how we have framed this as well. Um, the Jefferson Chalmers Water Project, and water is actually an acronym, stands for Water Access Technology Education and Recreation. Um, we, it's a community-based, community-driven, and community-supported initiative. Um, we have three goals. To keep sewage out of our basements and canals, to keep stormwater out of the system, and keep the Great Lakes out of our neighborhood. And what's important about those three goals is that they are actually, some of them are separate and distinct in terms of solutions, but they are also interconnected. The threat from the Great Lakes is, is a cyclical thing that happens every 20 to 30 years, as we experienced in 2019. Um, and that is a result of five or six years of really heavy rains in the entire Great Lakes Basin. Mm -hmm. But we, Great Lakes levels are low right now, and we won't see Great Lakes level rise again probably another 20 years. But climate's also affecting these intense rainstorms, and we are in a low-lying area. We have a topographical swale that bisects our community. We have a bathtub, basically. Mm -hmm. And in these heavy rains, the system's inability to move the rain and water quickly enough causes the street flooding and the backups in our basements. <clears throat> and so what we need to do is think about how we reduce demand on the system so that this can carry the water in a timely manner and the utilities will not be using our basements as temporary basins. Well, how do you do that is, is one question. I mean, uh, the, the billions of dollars in backlogged infrastructure costs in this community is something that we talk about all the time. There has not been a concerted effort <clears throat> to raise that money or to spend it in neighborhoods uh, like Jefferson, Jefferson Chalmers. Uh, talk just a little about what you think reachable solutions might be, things that we could actually do. Well, so you mentioned the $41 million flood protection project that we're working on. <clears throat> so if you think about the, the canals, Fox and Connor Creek, that are the eastern and western borders of our community, and the Detroit River, that entire shoreline, which is about five miles of, of shoreline, is, has to be hardened and protected to, from Great Lakes encroachment in another couple of decades. However, FEMA put us in a floodplain as a result of the 2019 flooding, and we are now locked in that floodplain until improvements are made on that shoreline to unlock economic opportunity. Um, no federal funds can be spent on projects in our neighborhoods, so your guest yesterday from Jefferson East, mm -hmm. their affordable housing projects, um, housing resources for seniors, 
and even the disaster recovery resources that are coming to the city are locked up. We're locked out of that. And, and so um, we believe that there's a strategy that's much less than the Corps has proposed in its solutions last year, where we can naturalize the shoreline, do seawalls where it's appropriate. Um, and, and by the way, the, the Baby Yacht Club on Connor Creek would be locked out of access to their club. And, mm-hmm. and there's 48 property owners in a condo marina there that would not have access to their boats either. So the course proposal locks us out of our water access. And as Blake has so beautifully spoken to, it is a critical part of our lifeblood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we believe there's an alternative to get us there. Yeah. Um, it doesn't help that the Fox Creek and Connor Creek are the receiving waters of combined sewage that come away come from as far away as eight miles. Yeah. If we close the canals and then begin to continue to fill them with sewage, we will continue to degrade the, the environment. Um, so we've been successful at getting a million dollars from the state legislature in the most recent budget. There's a nine and a half million dollar contribution for shoreline restoration from the EPA through the Great Lakes Restoration Amendment. And there was $10 million of HUD funds set aside in disaster recourse resources um, that we want back. It's been zeroed out in the budget when it was submitted to HUD, and we want that back. Yeah. Yeah. That gets us halfway there. Yeah. Um, we have engaged every level of our elected officials, um, and we're hoping that our federal legislatures will help us identify uh, congressionally directed spending or that will work through the core and other federal agencies and their justice 40 white house initiatives um, for funds that could be dedicated to these projects yeah, yeah. Well, we think the money is there yeah there's no question um, the money's there it's a question of uh, directing it toward these projects and directing it toward the neighborhoods the parts of our community that are that are most affected uh, by all right. of this let's start today with Alex in Detroit. Alex, welcome to the show. Hi, Stephen. Thanks for having me and fantastic uh, guests and panel today. I lived in uh, Jefferson Chalmers for five years. I bought my house there, my first house, six years ago. Um, Your guest that said it's a unique gem of a neighborhood is absolutely right. I referred to Jeff Chalmers as the Detroit Bayou. I grew up across mm-hmm. the street from, or didn't grow up, sorry, but lived across the street from one of the canals and moved a year ago um, to a different neighborhood in the city because it became untenable to live there with the weather and the flooding. The house that I lived in was a small bungalow, had a brick foundation, and, you know, almost 100 years of hydrostatic water pressure, that moisture in that soil was bowing the foundation to such a degree that the repairs in this home to keep it livable um, were just not something that I could afford. And, you know, after the second flood, I think that we had in 21, when FEMA came, is when your guest said, you know, the options that are available to residents um, to be able to invest and have the cash that we need to to put into our homes so that they're safe for our families, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the accessibility of those funding, it just, it wasn't there. It wasn't practical. I didn't have the kind of resources that that would have been necessary to to shore up that house. So incredibly sad to leave. It it is a beautiful neighborhood. It's an incredible gem in the city and um, I'll always have a special place in my heart for it. So, so. Alex, uh, talk just a little more about, I guess, how that feels when uh, you've chosen a community to live in, you're trying to be a part of that community, and 
you can't stay essentially because uh, because of something like the climate, because of the consequences of climate change. I mean, I think our neighbors in, I mean, I don't, the Gross Point Park right across from Alter, you know, you think about the access to resources that folks have there, the, the taxes that they pay that give them access to city services and things that we don't have in Detroit that have allowed them to kind of maybe be prevented from feeling some of the effects that I felt and I know my neighbors feel. I mean, if it's bad for me across the street, I can't imagine what it's like for the folks who have basements that abut right up to the canal. Yeah. Um, this is part of the inequity, I think, that a lot of Detroiters have dealt with. And I grew up in Flint, so I'm not a lifelong Detroiter, but this is what inequity and disparity looks like over generations. And it, it disproportionately impacts um, particularly communities of color, sure. low-income communities, and that is such a such a part of, of who and the identity of what Detroit is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Blake, I want to come back to you uh, and have you react to what Alex is saying. This is someone who was a newcomer to the neighborhood, invested in it and decided, hey, I, I, I can't do this because I can't afford uh, the damage and I can't afford to protect my property from the damage. Uh, would you ever, I guess, reach that that kind of space in terms of living in Jefferson Chalmers, being part of the neighborhood where you just didn't feel like you could stay? Um, so you can't put a price tag on my neighborhood? <laughs> and it's an absolute no. Like, I'll just float away. Um, <laughs> and I think we have to be really careful about, like, the verbiage that we use. We always talk about flooding. Mm -hmm. And I try to specifically not say that we're flooding, that we have basement and street backups. Yes. Because, like Jay had talked to, spoken to, he said, um, you know, we only flood from the canal, from the river, every 20 to 30 years. The last time that happened, I was like two years old. So it is definitely this a place that you, can, that you can live in. Yes, this is definitely about the infrastructure. The reason why we flood or we have backups is because of, of course, climate change and the poor infrastructure that we have. So this is not an area that it can't be fixed and we can't have a solution to the problem. And it's just the, 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 the lakes and the canals are just going to just come right over uh, next year. No, this is definitely something that can be solved. Mm. Um, so it is sad when you get somebody that wants to be a part of the community and wants to, to really set roots there and you can't stay because of the negligence in which hap which has happened over years. Mm -hmm. you, but for me, I mean, I'm just going to live through it. Like, I don't care. You're going to stay. <laughs> yeah. I'm staying. I'm staying. Yeah. Uh, Reverend Baylor, I wonder what you think about this idea of, of, of leaving. I mean, and you can't move a church, really. Uh, and you can't abandon the people who are part of that church. Is right. Not just the church, it's the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Because we service people that would probably never take a seat in the sanctuary to hear a sermon, but they still have needs, right? And the church is called for that purpose. Um, is it a struggle to fight? Yes, but all fights are a struggle. Mm -hmm. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Um, we are stronger with our diversity, than we are with our separatism. Mm -hmm. uh, if we could just get to the place that we 
genuinely love each other in humanity first, yeah. right? Yeah. Then, then we'll see things a little bit different. We'll we'll see things that if the infrastructure is not fixed, while there are various socioeconomic levels in the community yeah. and then all of a sudden when things change over then the money's there and the wetlands are mm -hmm. there and we're out of the floodplain that's not equitable yeah yeah you know i i look at some of um detroit has changed we have been in detroit for 25 years and it has changed tremendously mm -hmm. i remember when wayne state didn't even have a dorm mm -hmm. Right. And and so as we look at it and we see people being edged out, it is it's not fair because they were born, raised and loved the city. Right. And I wouldn't I'm I'm like Blake. I wouldn't think about leaving. I, I you know, I'll float away. People are <laughs> people are amazed that. People in, in the Jefferson Thomas neighborhood, some people haven't gotten their furnace repaired from a storm that happened in 2021. Sure, sure. Right? Um, we There's, don't have air because we had to choose between a furnace and air conditioner. Wow. Right? So wow. we have a furnace because it's colder gotta, in Michigan. Gotta and, have, right. Yeah. And so to, to think that, oh, that was two years ago, everybody's straight. No. They're not. They're still cleaning up. The the stories about mold in mm -hmm. people's houses uh, in in places that flooded in 2021 are also starting to emerge, and the the long term fight that that is mm -hmm. to try to deal with that that uh, you might think you've got it under control, and then uh, then it's back. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the damage that water does. Uh, to to people's properties is long term. I mean, mm -hmm. it it goes mm -hmm. on and on. Yeah. Okay, uh, Blake Granham and uh, Reverend Baylor and Jay Jurgensen. It was really great to have all three of you here to talk about uh, your beautiful, vulnerable neighborhood there over on the east side. Thanks so much for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you. That's it for the Detroit Today podcast. If you like this show, you get a lot out of it. You ought to be sharing it. Your friends and your neighbors, your relative, anyone you think would enjoy it and would add to this community that we're building here. Detroit Today is produced by Sam Corey and Nick Austin. Our technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. Detroit Today's music is created by Sam Bobian and Will Sessions. We'll see you next time on the Detroit Today podcast.